the 2-2 Hernandez with a fly ball to deep left field. It is way back and it is gone. A home run. The crowd is going crazy. Two-run shot for Kike Hernandez. I thought they were going to have sound effects they could, you know, cheers they could play if there's a home run or something. Yeah, that's, that's, so too. that's what they have for soccer yeah. in Europe. Don't let the Euros be better than us at Ooh. this. Chilling. It is chilling. Uh, coming up in a moment, the stats on how many people think kids should go back to school. Only 80% of Americans think kids should go back to school. I heard all day long on the media. Well, that's... Because they're liars. Technically true, but it's very misleading. Lion Stay tuned for liars. that. Georgia man wanted for his alleged role in a drug operation, went on TikTok, taunted police with the message, come and get me, biatches. His arrest came swiftly thereafter. 21-year-old William Reeves Durga, following a seven-month undercover drug operation, they were running drugs out of a pub, short from a, for a public house, Jack. It's a bar. Which back in the day, in England, they couldn't refuse you a night's stay if you were passing through. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And some fascinating bar information. There. I got plenty. Um, mm, there, mm, 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 eh. So anyway, they came and arrested him. Uh, oh, he noted he would not be turning himself into the county jail because it is so nasty and full of coronavirus. <laughs> well, that's probably true. I've got my suggestions if I was the campaign manager for both Biden and Trump, and I want to run them by Lon Hee Chen when we talk to him coming up in a little bit. The fabulous Lon Hee Chen of the Hoover Institution coming up in mere moments. Perhaps you heard on some of your uh, cable news channels or wherever you get your news yesterday that only 8% of Americans believe schools should open as usual. Well, oftentimes they would just shortcut it with want schools to open. That's uh, definitely misleading. Oh, yeah. So aggressively uh, misleading. I don't know how masks became a political thing. I don't know how schools opening became a political thing, but it definitely is. There is a 30 point difference between the way Democrats and Republicans uh, answer this question. But uh, the question was K through 12 schools should open as usual was only 8 percent. Open with minor adjustments was 14%. Oh, okay. We're at 22% now. Open with major adjustments is 46%. Oh, now we're like virtually everybody. Well, certainly over two-thirds. Only 31% said schools should not open, which is what we are doing a whole bunch of places, Mm -hmm. um, including my kids. I, I probably wouldn't want my kids to go to school if they were going to open as usual. If they weren't going to do anything, I think that would show a real lack of... You're not going to have hand sanitizer handy or anything? You know, your handy. kids will be fine, but you're right. That it would be odd. Uh, but but nobody was going to do that. Right. Nobody was going to do that. You ask a question about something that doesn't exist. Right. Open as usual. Uh, open do you with, believe we should open the schools and force the children to work in diamond mines? <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody's proposing that. <laughs> do you think we should teach only in Aramaic instead of English? Exactly. Um, should well, hungry pit bulls be released during gym class? But maybe your school did like my school did, and you got some emails saying, look, this is what we're going to do. The desks are going to be this far apart. We're going to have hand sanitizer here. We're going to stagger um, recesses and eating lunch. Uh, teachers are going to be wearing masks, blah, 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 blah. And w- when you start throwing in that stuff, yeah, you easily get over a majority of Americans who want schools to be open. So reporting it as only 8% of people want schools to be open was was just a lie. Wildly dishonest. I think it's pretty amazing that you've got two-thirds of Americans want schools to open up. Uh, scientists want to be open up. 
Uh, pediatricians want them open up. You ask doctors, would you send your kids to school? Hell yeah. But we're not open them because of the teachers unions, the politicians. As uh, Yeah, the, it's the teachers unions in large measure, but also the politicians know the only thing they're going to be judged on is the vid. The economy crashes if children have horrifying rates of depression and anxiety and, and terrible educational outcomes. They they don't believe they will be called to account for that. That's really I frustrating. Think they will be. This is a this is a, a failure of democracy. I mean, when you got the majority of people and all the experts wanting one thing and it goes the other way, that's really disappointing. That is exactly what it is—a failure of democracy. Um, but you break it down by party. Uh, K through twelve schools should not open at all. Forty-four percent of Democrats say not open at all. That is astonishing. Only fourteen percent of Republicans. Now, I do think it's interesting that it's still not over fifty percent, even for Democrats, mm-hmm. of not open at all. Even though that's what's happening You're right. for my kids and a lot of you, it's very disappointing. Neither party is over fifty percent. But uh, how do you have a thirty-point gap between D's and R's on the outlook of schools? It's amazing to me. I think there are there are explanations, just different worldview. Uh, more Democrats have no children, um, and and it was remember the uh, the fabulous video we played for you, the audio of it the other day about the the racist and the woke guy agreeing on everything in race. That same comedian did a uh, a very similar video in which he and his buddy were uh, pro Trump and anti Trump, and they're expressing how this is so great because I never have to think about anything anymore. If Trump's in favor of it. I automatically hate it. I automatically love it. And I think this is the, another factor here is that the Democrats have heard Trump said we really ought to open the school. So I'm against it. I'm against, how could there be a 30 point gap on educating know. the little kids? I hope none of you on either side of this issue are making your decision for that reason. I guarantee a significant number of Americans are interesting. Well, speaking of Trump, he's running for president against a guy named uh, Joe Biden. And that election is 102 days away, and we're going to talk to a guy who's actually worked on major campaigns about it and uh, see where we stand. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's a great strategy for him not to talk to the press. The press, by the way, should be pressuring the former vice president to answer questions because that's part of the responsibility of a presidential candidate. Well, I've got advice for Biden and Trump today. I want to run by Lon Hee Chen. And Howard Kurtz needs to shut up. The responsibility is to get clicks. That's the only responsibility. I think Howard Kurtz and a lot of political strategists are thinking about times gone by. I don't think, I really don't think Joe Biden does need to answer questions. Just like Trump didn't need to release his taxes, which used to be something you had to do. I don't think Biden has to answer questions. Lonnie J. Chan is the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, among other worthy endeavors, and Lonnie joins us now. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Good morning. Thanks. I know how you are. You're a gloating Dodgers fan. Oh, oh I love it. I love it. Uh, great. Great start. What, are you pro the cardboard cutouts behind the batters or anti? Let me tell you something. I, I I actually think it's kind of endearing in a in a weird dystopian way. So much so actually that, that that my son and I both have cutouts in Dodger Stadium. Oh, you do, good man. Cool. I found I it whimsical. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm pro. Yeah, the game I'm was pro. not whimsical. The game was sucky. The I thought it was. I thought it was definitely less weird than the empty seats. 
Yeah. Um, when I was watching uh, Nationals Yankees. Anyway, so um, I know traditionally you wouldn't have been able to get away with not answering questions, and eventually, eventually, even the liberal media would have beat up on a Democrat for not answering questions. But I think times have changed. The media is so uh, actively in support of one side or the other, and everybody's needles stuck. I don't think Joe Biden actually does have to answer questions. What do you think? Uh, I don't think he has to either. I I don't think he's going to be held to account for it. Uh, You know, I think understandably people do have questions that they want to have answered. But what the Biden campaign has done well so far is essentially to put him in very controlled settings, to put Biden in very controlled settings where he can answer the questions he wants to ask. There aren't many spontaneous interactions. And I think you're right. The media is not they're not in a position to hold Biden to account for much of anything because they have a particular point of view about this election. And I think they've made that pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not going to let anything get in the way of the prime directive, even uh, antiquated notions of journalistic ethics. I mean, I, I, where did I where did I read uh, somebody was given credit? Oh, uh, uh, Jonathan Swan was talking about how Trump did a press conference the same day. Trump did a press conference. Pence did a press conference and then the press secretary took questions also and how Biden had taken none. I don't think I don't think you're going to get any credit for standing out there and answering questions. I wish you would. But yeah, although I will say this, I mean, I, I do think if Donald Trump were to to avoid questions, that oh, yeah. would be a story. Oh, right? oh no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, and, no, it doesn't work both and, ways. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of how Biden's bunker strategy will go if and when, you know, Trump starts to get out there a little bit more. And, and he is, you know, Trump is doing a little bit more travel. Pence is doing a little bit more travel. Uh, I, I do think at some point they are going to have to take Biden. They're going to have to put him out there. But look, for the last several weeks, what they've been doing has been absolutely fine. In fact, it's probably been a benefit to them to have Biden in the bunker. So uh, a little change in direction here, Lonnie. I'm not going to spend a lot of time setting this up as I did earlier in the show. But just very briefly, I, I believe that we are at a point in partisan politics right now where the party out of power has gone beyond trying to prevent the party in power from getting a victory. Um, they've gone beyond intransigence and obstructionist uh, lawmaking into actively trying to damage the American people and this country, make sure we're miserable, continue the misery, enhance the misery if they can. Um, do you think it's gotten that brutal? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's it's become much worse than standard kind of partisan bickering. I do think that fundamentally uh, each side wants to so completely discredit the other. They want to so completely uh, sully the reputation of the other side uh, that, that they are willing to go to lengths they probably weren't willing to go to, to before. And, and I think the rhetoric, uh, I think the, the way that people talk about things – the nature of the kind of subjects that are brought up, the personal nature, I think also that's right. something that struck me as well, guys, but I'm, how personal it is. I'm talking less about rhetoric than policy, though. I believe the Democrats mm. are enthusiastic about keeping the schools closed and tighter clampdowns on business because it will make parents miserable and hurt the economy, therefore enhance the chances to elect Joe Biden. Yeah, I, I have noticed that there is a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of that edge that's come in, particularly you guys are right on school closings. I mean, this is an area where I'm struck by the degree to which the media, a lot of the politicians in big urban areas 
uh, and a lot of Democrats are coming together to express a particular point of view about keeping schools closed. And, and what worries me is the way in which they essentially demagogue those who say we should open schools. And they say, hey, look, if you want to open schools, you know, you're, you're against humanity. You're basically anti-human. You're anti-science. You're an- all, all of these accusations. Uh, I, I do think that at, in the back of their minds, now, of course, they'll never say this. Of course, they'll, they'll deny it until the cows come home. But in the back of their mind, I do think that there are politics here. Absolutely. Well, you know, to, to bottom line it for folks who uh, haven't had their second cup of coffee yet or whatever, if you are the candidate of change and everything's fine, you're never going to get elected. Sure. So you want to make things as miserable as you can. And having control of the House of Representatives, for instance, they're in a position to do that. And I just think that, that they are doing things that no party would have. Um, for a very, very long time. We're talking with Lon He Chen. He's a guy who's worked on major political campaigns and been an advisor. I told you what my advice would be to Biden. I'd say don't answer questions. Um, my, I'm thinking Trump needs a game changer. And my advice to Trump would be, I don't know if he'd take this up because it would make it not about him. I think if Trump goes out there and says, look, the way the polls are right now, not only do I lose, but the Democrats take the Senate. Here's what they will do if they have the presidency, the House, and the Senate. Mm-hmm. I think you could drive turnout like crazy if you focused on the fact, look, if I go, the Senate goes, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think the basic point that, that I've come to is uh, Trump has got to figure out a way to make this election not about him. And, and I know that is very challenging for a guy who, who tends to make a lot of things about himself. But this is not... If this election is about Donald Trump and whether Donald Trump, uh, you know, deserves four more years, I do think that he's in a challenging position. If he makes it about two visions of the world and his vision of the world and the alternate vision of the world uh, and the alternate vision of the world has, you know, the Green New Deal and Medicare for all and defund the police. I mean, I think that's why you are seeing them take the strategy they're taking, which is this not about Joe Biden either. This is about two different visions of the world and what's going to happen if the alternate vision wins. And, and I think for Trump, that's probably the only thing he can do at this point to change the dynamic. So you're suggesting that Donald Trump makes it not about him. Well, that could be a bit of a challenge. I know. That's a How heavy list. I got not, another idea. It's a little out of the box. Uh, Trump divorces Melania, marries <laughs> Pence, gets the gay vote. Lonnie, go. <laughs> no, I, I, I wow. you, but this, <laughs> but this isn't even uh, like a stretch, harem, scarum hyperbole, is it? If Donald Trump got up there and said, "Look, if I lose and they take the Senate and they change the filibuster rules," which they're, they're, Elizabeth Warren was talking about the other day. They're going to pass all this stuff. They could change the country overnight. Isn't that actually true? Yeah, and I think, you know, Biden has tried to present himself as a moderate. And I actually think in and of himself, he, he probably is. But the problem is he's, he's part of a progressive movement now that's gotten progressively and, and farther and farther to the left. If you look at the policies he's putting out there, right? So let's take climate change, for example. He gave a speech on climate change, I don't know, about a week ago, week and a half ago. And the policies suggested in there are, are in my mind, they are quite uh, scary. You know, they're very progressive. They will completely change the nature of how we, uh, how we foster energy in this country. So, yeah, it, it's not that far-fetched to say, look, the vision that he's talking about is a far-left vision that if he had the Congress as well, 
that would enable the far left to essentially have these victories. Well, do you so think I, they would change I, the I filibuster rules? Exaggeration at all. Do you think they would change um, the filibuster rules? I think there will be a lot of pressure on them to do it. I think there are a few who've said, you know, they don't want to do it. A few Democrats like Joe Manchin have said they don't want to do it. But you know the way these things work, right? Once the political pressure starts and the wave builds, it's very hard to resist it. If so you're a coward. It is definitely something. It is definitely something that is out there. Wow. Lon He Chen. David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. Uh, Lon He, great stuff. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, yeah you too. Trump wants it to be about him. That's that's the way he looks at the world, and he thinks he can win making it about him. But, God, I would just say, look, this is this is what they're saying they want to do. They're talking about changing the rules where all they, all they need is a majority, 51 votes in the Senate, and they will have that. Mm-hmm. They can actually pass all this stuff, right. like in the first month. Yeah. We'll have Green New Deal. We'll have defund the police. We'll have, you know, all the things you want to mention. Yeah, and it's so frustrating. If Trump were just a little more self-aware, he could win running away, even in the midst of the COVID. You know, he just he, he can't quite strike the notes that he needs to strike, in my mind. Uh, of course, he got elected once, uh, which is only one more time than I've gotten elected president. I'll point that out. <laughs> You're within the margin of error. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, the crazy part is this isn't just theoretical. There is actually going to be an election in November. Yeah. Yikes, I don't know if I can take it. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A really important, unifying moment for the players and the staff on both sides. Uh, I think we felt a sense of of calm in the ballpark at that moment. And uh, it was really good to be uh, around players who were um, so committed to changing the, the current state of systemic racism in our country. So it was really, really empowering to see um, the action steps that were taken today. That's Congressman, uh, Major League Baseball, That's Congressman James Johansson of Florida everybody. discussing on the Senate no, floor. That's the, the half-wit manager of the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kapler, trying desperately as a jock to say something politically correct. Why would a it was base- just tiresome. Why would a baseball manager be talking to me about systemic racism, which is a controversial thought? Because freaking ESPN made a big deal of the national anthem and who's kneeling and who wasn't and holding a black rope symbolizing something and then did an in-game interview with the manager about social justice. It was just, it was so tiresome. Bunch of jocks who have a third of an idea what they're talking about lecturing us. Oh, just shut up, please. Oy vey, it made it hard to watch. Coming up. MIT has made the most convincing deep fake they think has yet happened and want to talk about the dangers of that for society and a guy who claims he's gotten through the coronavirus shutdown with the help of his sex doll. Both of those stories on the way. Sex dolls. Pardon me? More than the one sex doll. Yeah. Several sex dolls. Quite a few. Yeah. Yes. Um, that is the, the key, the key element to this. I mean, the guy... You know, if wealth is measured in sex dolls, this might be the world's wealthiest man. It's not, and it shouldn't be. It's a strange metric. Yeah. So to recap your uh, your baseball, uh, the Nats won, beat the Yankees. The Dodgers look great. The Giants look terrible. Their manager is a halfwit. 
The mighty Padres of San Diego take on the Diamondbacks of Arizona today. Arizona starting the traitorous Madison Bumgarner, who signed a traitorous signed a duplicitous, treasonous free agent contract. Have um, any of the teams had Black Lives Matter written on the mound yet? Because that is said to be a thing. I don't know that, but some guys are wearing the patches. There's a Black Lives Matter patch and a United We Stand patch. Some guys got both. Some guys got one. I didn't really notice. Oddly enough, in a sport where... I just want to watch the freaking ball game. Oddly enough, in a sport where black guys don't really play. Yeah. They may matter, but they don't play. In Major League Baseball. Yeah. So a couple of uh, notes on the violence and insanity in Portland uh, very briefly. First, uh, uh, this is clip 47, Sean. Ami Horowitz, who's a writer and filmmaker, um, was talking about... Uh, what I'm often talking about, the media portrayal of these so-called protests. We've got to be clear about what we mean by protesters. One of the, sto- the great stories about what's going on, not just in Portland, but about the protests in general, is the media malpractice on how these people are portrayed, how people view them in the media. They're saying it's all kumbaya, brother. They're just sitting there having a great time, and they're cooking out, and they've got people singing and dancing. And the reality is, you had hundreds of people attack this federal building. When I mean attack, I mean they had hammers and steel pipes and were setting fires to burn the building down and all the, all, all the people in it, while the quote-unquote peaceful protesters are exhorting them on, cheering them on, okay? These are not people who were aghast at what was happening. These are not people who are saying, hey guys, you shouldn't be doing this. They were supporting these people who were trying to burn these officers alive in this federal building. So to say that there it's a mostly peaceful protest, it's it's a it's a load of crap. It's not true at all. They are part of the problem and a part of the violence. How's it, well, you know, an LOC. Hmm. Load of crap. Aside from the idea of burning people alive in a building, I hadn't even thought of that I, uh, aspect of it, but um just looking at the building, you know, the attempt to set it on fire, I was looking at the video on Andy Noe's um Twitter feed. You can't have that. No. It's, that's no. not an option. It's people setting fires you, to buildings in urban areas. Well, but if you allow that to be an option. I mean, they allowed it as an option in Seattle where they drove the police out of one of their own precinct buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you allow that as an option for federal buildings, oh, yeah, you can just drive us out of here and close it down and burn it down or whatever. Well, that'll never end. Uh, Al Anonymous, our correspondent who's watching the all-night uh, video feeds for us, uh, gives the timetable, 10 to 11.30, crowd looks as big as Wednesday night, uh, people with bullhorns, drummers, sh- canting uh, ACAB, all cops are bastards, feds go home. Uh, 11.40, the first announcement from the feds, essentially you need to stop messing with the fence. 11.45, first fireworks are shot from the protesters at the building, crowd roars in approval. 11.50, a van with free snacks arrives. It's there every night. 12.10, protesters pounding and shaking the fence. You do not want a society that believes all cops are bastards. That that alone, to me, means this is a crowd you do not want to deal with. This is a tiny subset of society, these, these radicals. They are hardcore radicals. 12.25, double doors are open into the building. Roman candle aimed over the fence into the door. Several high-powered green lasers, which can cause permanent blind spots. Oof in a person, are being shined at officers in an effort to blind them. Small debris fire starting one side, leaf blowers being used to blow the smoke from the fire into the doors where the cops are. 1240, water bottles, other debris being thrown over the fence. 1248, several feds come out 
toward the fence and dispense CS gas. Most of the crowd falls back. Quite a few have gas masks. Someone blares the Star Wars Imperial March over the large loudspeaker, the Darth Vader theme. Several people with leaf blowers come out to clear the gas. On and on. At 110, everything goes nuts. Several protesters get behind the fence. Feds and Portland police come out to grab who they can, dispense more gas, fire rubber bullets, not confirmed. Crowd is thin to the most persistent. Announcements continue. This has been declared an unlawful disassembly. And directions to disperse. Chance of stay together, stay tight. We do this every night. That's true. Um, For eight weeks now? Uh, yeah, yeah. So to prevent the burning to the ground of the giant federal courthouse there, the feds have sent in federal protective services. Let's go with... Um, so is the argument from the other side, they w- it wouldn't have gotten this bad if they hadn't sent in the troops? Yes. The Trump troops? Yes. Which is a dry run for stealing the election? If you hadn't defended yourself, I wouldn't have hurt you so badly. Well, they were going after federal property, I think, in an effort to evoke the federal response. Like they, they, I think they want the conflict. Your Antifa types yeah, and Marxists they, they sure. want that. They were yeah. setting, they were setting yeah. the, the bait for a, a, exactly. a, a term, and then the feds came, and now they got what they want. Now we're in a fight. Yeah. Give me, Bait's a good term. Give me clip 50. This is the governor of Oregon, the nutty Kate Brown. When I spoke with the director of the Department of Homeland Security last week, I told him to go home and to take his federal troops with him. Um, this is a democracy, not a dictatorship. Um, we cannot have secret police abducting people into and putting them in unmarked vehicles. Um, I cannot believe I have to say that to the President of the United States. I know that Oregonians are outraged. Americans should be appalled. The well, acting what? Huh? Sorry? I'm glad that David French, we read this the other day, he's, he's a lawyer, he looks into this sort of stuff, pointed out there is Supreme Court law that says the federal government can do that. Absolutely. Which was can, surprising yeah. to me. And there are reasons for not having an insignia and names and all that sort of stuff. The acting director of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, uh, responds in clip 51. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's an uneducated statement, and uh, she really needs to understand what the Department of Homeland Security's mission there is in Portland. We are there to protect a federal courthouse and other federal properties there in Portland, uh, and we need to do that. Uh, we need to make sure that they are not burned down. From midnight till 5 a.m. every night, 53 nights in a row, we have upwards to a 500 to a 1,000 violent anarchists that are targeting that federal building, endangering the lives of my law enforcement officers. Uh, and at this point, we have no support from the, the local leadership there. Uh, and we're not, we're not taking it any longer. We're surging forces in there. We're making arrests. We're holding people accountable that are committing federal crimes. Uh, and we'll continue to do that. I beg and plead with uh, the local law enforcement there to partner with us in that leadership. Uh, but as you indicated in the, the comments that the governor made earlier, uh, she's taken this to be very political um, and doesn't really understand how the system works. That is wild, man. That is wild. I never thought I'd see this. No, I wouldn't either. Well, there's so many things that I never thought I'd see in my life that have happened in the last couple of months. It's hard to keep your head together. Mm-hmm. Whether it's your kids don't go to school or trying to burn down buildings and, and then local law enforcement says, okay. Or uh, <laughs> just mobs so many tear things. down a statue of George Washington and the authorities just say, well, I'm not saying anything. Come for the bitter partisanship and stay for the utter moral cowardice. It's pretty disappointing. There's got to be a temptation to just to just say, "Okay, fine, we'll close the building. Well, we'll leave. No more federal this or that. You yeah, know, go ahead. No enjoy more federal your, money. Enjoy, enjoy your city. Yeah, 
You know, that brings us to this great email we got from a, an astute listener predicting the future. And I know we have to take a break, but very, very briefly. And maybe we can spool this out Monday and say what, see what folks think about it. But he's talking about a situation where we become more and more and more partisan and entrenched. And in your in Portlandia, they say, okay, no more federal uh, buildings. Um, and you're telling us we're not going to send you any federal money? That's fine. We're not paying any federal taxes. Now, our listener, uh, Andrew, what he sketches out, and, and again, it's it's really quite well done, is uh, more of the opposite situation where the reddest of, of areas say, we're not giving you money to institute these policies. We find them abhorrent. And so we don't want any federal money. We're not paying any federal taxes. Forget it. We're done. Um, because of certain trends that, you know, it's going to be difficult for conservatives to get elected uh, in the future. And but, and the idea that there will be something like secession. And, and I hate to keep bringing this thing up, the whole um, filibuster Senate thing. You know, and, and look it up and read about it if you don't know what that means. You, you, throughout, you used to have to have 60 votes to, or you currently have to have 60 votes to get any major things done. But they're, they're talking about changing the rule to where it's just majority. And if imagine what the winds of politics right now where things change so fast. What's okay six months ago is not okay now and vice versa, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If, if, if one party has the, the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and when one of those waves is going on, who knows what might pass and become yeah. federal law? Right. I mean, it could just be crazy. Well, and then a jarring reversal of field four or eight years later oh, or yeah, whatever. That, that's why Everything's should, torn apart. That's why you should be against it, even if you're a Democrat and you like these policies. Trump has been trying to do this. for the, He's been telling Mitch McConnell, change the filibuster rules for years now. Because he wants to, there's stuff he wants to jam through. We would swing so crazily back and forth if that happens. Oh, my God. Gun laws. Taxes. Ugh. All kinds of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I'd say yikes. Anyway, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Maybe the way to work your way through this situation is to have a whole bunch of sex dolls. One guy thinks so. <laughs> Among other stories we're going to get to. Hadn't really Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray, and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday, I'm in love. Right now, I have five lovely ladies. But now with the pandemic, living on your own, one of the biggest things is loneliness. Sometimes you just want a hand to hold. Dressing them, undressing them, and uh, taking photos of them. It's quite amazing how much they can lift one's mood. Without the dolls, I don't think I would be able to get through the pandemic. I think I would get cranky and uh, unhappy if I didn't have these dolls to uh, keep me occupied. There's a weirdo who's being comforted by five sex dolls during the pandemic. That was a little judgmental there on your part. Sometimes you just want somebody's hand to hold. That's An inanimate so, that's room, so room sad. temperature hand to hold. That's so sad. It I mean, is sad. Legitimately sad. I mean, the sex stuff, you know, guys get crazy horny. 
that you can you can kind of understand, but the fact that you get comfort from holding hands with the doll, that's just into complete sadville. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Sad city. Um what well, what's that uh, Homer Simpson thing? Welcome to uh Welcome to Loserville, population you. <laughs> My Homer Simpson has gotten worse through the years. Well, I haven't watched the Simpsons Hey, it depends much. on which Simpsons you're watching. As uh, my kids have noticed since we started at the very beginning, the Homer's voice in the in the very early seasons are different than in season five and in different in dis, in season twenty five. Yeah, it changes. So yeah. it, it didn't even say the same for Dan Castellanata. Is that his name? Yeah, uh, R- roughly. <laughs> MIT has released a video we have at our website. It's called An Event of Moon Disaster, don't, but don't get hung up on what it's about, because that's not the point, although it's interesting even then. They made a fake video of a, well, it looks like you're watching a speech that Richard Nixon gave in 1969. They worked on this for half a year. They put a lot of work into it. It is what is called a deep fake, in which it is, uh, in this case, completely made up. There have been deep fakes recently where they change a word or edit something out or whatever, but this is made out of a whole cloth, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the whole thing is phony. It's a speech that was written but never given by Richard Nixon, and it is good. Check it out at armstrongandgetty.com, armstrongandgetty.com. It's good as in well done. It's horrifying. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, yeah, it is really good. I, Point of interest that might make you even more interested in going to see it. It's the speech we talked about earlier on the anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing, where if uh, things went wrong and the guys on the moon died, this is the speech Nixon had prepared uh, to, to, you know, deal with the grieving nation and the horrors of those two brave astronauts about to starve to death. MIT wants people to better understand the disturbing power of deepfake videos in this new project called An Event of Moon Disaster, which we do have at armstrongandgetty.com. It took a half a year for Massachusetts Institute of Technology AI experts to create a very convincing seven-minute deepfake video that mixes actual NASA footage with Nixon delivering a tragic speech. Artificial intelligence deep learning technology was used to make Nixon's voice and facial movements convincing, and they are damned convincing. The, um... Speech was read aloud by an actor as Nixon is no longer with us. <laughs> um, what? Uh, and they just wanted to people how show people how how good it is now and and where it is going. Now there's also another paper out about how you you know the ability to try to stay ahead of the bad guys and figure out what videos are real and what are not. I'm not even sure how important that is. I I, I would assume they'll always be able to figure out, or at least for the the near future. If something's fake, if they have time to look it over, it won't make any difference. It's already out there. Millions of people have seen it. They'll believe it to the end of their life. Right. right. And this is really good. I would like to know. Well, you couldn't have fooled me, me with it because I know that uh, I know that Nixon never did give a speech in which the astronauts died. Yeah, but so, if it was some obscurity about urban policy in Pittsburgh or and something. And I wasn't looking for anomalies. If I wasn't right. like focused on his lips and the voice. And, and facial movements to try to figure out if it's fake or not, I don't think I would have noticed. You get hooked like a bass. I don't think I would have noticed at all. And that's where we are today in 2020. Where are we going to be in 2022? In just two years, Screwed. it'll be 50% <laughs> better. Yeah. Yep. 
So and, true. And you don't need to come up with a full seven-minute fake video. All you need to do is have 30 seconds of Donald Trump dropping N-bombs at a fundraiser. That's all you need. To, for, for instance. For instance. <laughs> right. You know, the fake. You know, yeah. make that up sure. fake. Or, or, yeah. or Barack Obama at a meeting, you know, saying something about communists. You only need, like, a line. You don't need seven minutes. Biden in a meeting talking about man-boy love. A little over the top. Nancy Pelosi in the cloakroom calling for the blinding of Republicans. <laughs> it's a little over the top also. I'm having fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, can society survive that? Probably not. I'm, I'm not sure that it can. No. No, I think we're doomed. Then we'll be fully 100% into you can't believe anything you see or hear or read. Mm-hmm. And then we're doomed. And we're two-thirds yes. of the way there now. Well, you know, I just, I look at history, and my species has been doomed several times, and we've bounced back, somehow or other, more or less. Until now. <laughs> well, I no, I think that we'll find a way. It is time for monkeys to rule the planet. Or, or, or. <laughs> monkeys on horses. Uh, of, by, and for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> we, we hold these true oohs to be self-evident. Um, uh, or, we'll see, and we're already seeing this to some extent, vastly lower birth rates. And human beings will think, essentially, we've had a good run. Let's not even bother anymore. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.